Hey there and welcome. Are you ready to put your digital marketing on steroids? Well, you've come to the right place. This is the Impressive Digital Marketer Podcast. Digital marketing runs through our veins. So listen up to get some seriously impressive ideas for your business. Let's do this. Welcome to the Impressive Digital Market Podcast, episode 16. Today we'll be talking about fashion marketing, how to reach your customers, who they are, and what you can really do to involve them in your own marketing journey. My name's Chris Best, I'm a content marketing specialist at Impressive, and today I'm joined by Nicolette Giorgio. Hi, um, I'm also a content marketing specialist at Impressive. But that's not all you've done, is it? No, I've got a, um, a fashion PR background. So yeah, I'm marketing, social media, all of that kind of thing. But yeah, a lot so of fashion. Very much the person I want to speak to today. Great. <laughs> yeah. So when you when we talk about sort of fashion marketing, I mean, so like, w- what are sort of the, some of the more common techniques you know, like marketing fashion companies use to reach their audience? You know, there's so much competition out there. It's a trillion dollar industry. How do you cut through the noise? Yeah. So I think it's all about really knowing who your consumer is, and I think that's where a lot of Uh, fashion brands kind of fail when it comes to marketing you've got to really know who you're appealing to and know how to reach them through social media marketing campaigns and PR as well so events anything that you think your customer is going to be interested in you've got to kind of do and in your sort of experience as both a PR person and a digital marketer what sort of did you see go right and go wrong uh, when it came to came to reaching customers like what were some of the projects you were involved in in your time that you know went went gangbusters or went south either or they're both educational yeah um so I used to work at a huge shoe brand called Nicholas Kirkwood so I was a PR coordinator there and Nicholas himself was the is the creative director he was very much you know he was very much into the design side of things he knew exactly what he wanted what he was going to create but kind of finding his audience and reaching out to them was often quite hard and you said it was a high-end brand, didn't you? So, I mean, like most people's perception of high-end brands is that they basically just sell themselves. It's big, it's shiny, it'll move. Yeah, I mean, that's that's absolutely fair if you're if you're huge, like if you're Chanel or Givenchy. But when Nicholas Kirk was, is, you know, only 10 years old, 12 years old now. So relatively new for a high-end luxury brand. So it's definitely harder, especially when you're trying to sell shoes that are £1,000, you know, $2,000. Exactly. How do you compete with a Chanel? I mean, you know, uh, it, it, it sounds like, you know, you're doing everything right. You know, you've got, uh, you've got a name that people recognize. You've got a, a beautiful, well-made, expensive product. Like, but you say you aren't reaching people. I mean, like, how do you sort of try to cut through that noise and compete with, you know, your Chanel's? So I guess um, what we tried to do at Nicholas Kirkwood was really try and work out who the Nicholas Kirkwood woman was, mm-hmm. which did prove quite hard because... Nicholas's kind of outlook on everything was the Kirkwood woman is every woman and unfortunately when you're against I've heard that before my, I mean, my, my customer is everyone you know like, yeah exactly yeah. I mean how many people say that yeah. um so it's definitely difficult to to target the Nicholas Kirkwood woman when you know your creative director's adamant that everyone is the is the woman but we kind of we took a step back and we sort of re- thought about what what other brands were doing to reach their 
target audience, how they were appealing to consumers. And yeah, we kind of... Yeah, I, I sort of understand what you're getting at. I, the, I guess sort of the issue I keep coming back to is if you don't have the budget and you don't have the name recognition and you're looking at what other brands and sort of your price bracket are doing, they're all billion dollar industries with centuries of history and you know their own wings in museums and stuff like that like how do you compete with um you know Dolce Gabbana or somebody like that if you just don't have Dolce Gabbana money you know that's actually interesting you've you've asked me that because we definitely we struggled with that quite a lot when we were doing our autumn winter 16 campaign we didn't really have a budget at all we didn't we didn't have the Dolce and Gabbana money to to play around with so um we you know, we grouped together and we thought, what can we, what can we actually do that's going to reach our consumers without blowing the budget? And it was actually, it's quite funny how it came about. I remember Nicholas actually ran into the the PR department one day and was going on about a, p- a picture he'd seen of a, con- a customer wearing Kirkwood shoes. And we have the hashtag my Kirkwood every time, um, well, no, customers would use that hashtag when they were posting images or, you know, they're in the store. So yeah, he came in, he was obsessed with this image. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was of a woman in Arizona, actually. And she Not posted... Not exactly the center of high fashion. Yeah, Sorry, I know. Arizona. Interesting. Nicholas had just actually got back from a trip to Arizona, so I think it really like resonated with him. But yeah, so he came in, he was obsessed with this image of this woman, thought it was incredible. And and then we just thought, well, if you really love these images of real women and you, you know, you And are, if they resonate with him, maybe exactly. they mes- resonate with other people. Exactly. Well, you know, that's what we tried to do. So we actually came up with this campaign, the, the My Kirkwoods campaign, which is, as I touched on before, you know, the Kirkwood woman is every woman. And we decided to reach out to uh, customers that had tagged us, t- tagged the brand in pictures of them wearing the shoes. We reached out to them and we said to them, okay, if we were to send you the new collection and you're allowed to choose one pair of shoes for free, bear in mind these shoes, you know, 1,000 pounds. A very generous gift. Yeah. Very generous of us. Um, but yeah, if we, can, if we can send you these shoes for free, will you take images of you wearing, you know, the Kirkwood brand in really interesting, cool places? And of course, every single customer that we contacted straight away, you know, couldn't believe it. I was about it. to say, how many no's did you get? Was it zero? I don't think we got any no's. I remember we actually got one girl. She she didn't see, I don't know if she just wasn't on Instagram for a while, but she didn't see the message. And she got back to us a couple of months later and she was like freaking out. Please, can I be part of the campaign? And of course, we were so generous that we did. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sure that's a bit of good karma for you and the rest of the company. Exactly. I mean... Free shoes for her, hopefully free shoes for me. Yeah, and you said, how many people were involved in this campaign? So we had a budget of, it was about just under £20,000, which sounds a lot, but it's it's really not a lot when... Yeah, it's, for reference, it's about, what, like thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. I mean, yeah. like, you know, like enough money to buy a new car, but pocket change when it comes to an advertising campaign for a luxury oh, yeah. brand. When we're competing with different brands as well, you know, it was like Bulgari. They had people like Bella Hadid, you know, headlining their campaigns. It was pretty. It was pretty tough. Uh, it was a pretty tough crowd to kind of beat. You've got to squeeze every penny to make forty thousand dollars compete with yeah. Bella Hadid. And we exactly. We actually ended up getting Bella Hadid the oh, year later. Congrats. So that was great. Well done. So yeah. yeah, it worked. Paid off. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we basically thought, okay, a sample shoe is worth about a thousand pounds. If we reach out to twenty women and we get, you know some interesting engaging content hopefully that will work and you know we did that's how much how many people we basically reached out to in the end yeah and like you know twenty thousand pounds forty thousand dollars what did they end up buying you 
Well, that actually, so... Other than Bella Hadid. I mean, eventually, of course, yeah. eventually yeah. we did get her. Yeah. Um, so with the Instagram campaign, we didn't actually have... Oh, so yeah, let me backtrack. We actually posted all this via Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did release a few press releases and send things out to like journalists, of course. But yeah, it wasn't a huge campaign, as you can imagine. It was more of a social media um it's where most people do their fashion yeah, shopping these exactly. days. So yeah, I mean, you picked true. your target well. It was actually before Instagram became shoppable, which is annoying. So, but you know. Oh, well, I mean, hey, you can make lightning strike twice, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Um, but yeah, we gained, you know, 3,000 to 4,000 followers, which was good because we were, I remember at the time, we, we were struggling to kind of get more traffic to our social media pages, page, sorry. We also, we saw, you know, an improvement in profits in the Nicholas Kirkwood store and online. Uh, We had a lot of more traffic in the Asian market, which was great. A lot of the women that we reached out to were actually based in Hong Kong, Japan. Those are the major growth areas for the fashion industry, of course. So again, you picked your target well. Yeah. And actually that's where we, we, sorry, where Nicholas Kirkwood does uh, the best, Really? really well in Asia. So yeah, it was good. Yeah, well, it sounds like, you know, you um, you did everything right. You know, you identified sort of a shortfall in your uh, marketing campaign. You ma- managed to squeeze every dollar so you got a great return on it. And, you know, you picked your b- both your vertical and your location extremely well. So it sounds like, yeah, it was a real smash hit. I mean, I, I, I've got to ask, was that your idea? Actually, it was. When, he, when Nicholas came in and he was adamant, you know, I want to... I want more pictures like this. I did, I wouldn't say it was all just me, but it kind of, kind of was just me. Take the credit. I mean, I'll take take a bit of credit, yeah. yeah. Um, I did come up with that kind of concept and then of course worked with the rest of the team to figure out logistics and how it was going to work. But yeah, yeah, I'm proud of that one. Yeah, well, congrats. We've got a fashion marketing prodigy on uh, on staff at Impressive. (laughs) Thank you. That sort of like moves us on to something else. Like we've discussed influencers a lot in the past on this podcast and with our clients in general. And it's something that you really can't walk away from, even if you aren't in fashion, whether you're in, you know, furniture, whether you're in sports, whether whatever industry you're in, it's highly likely that at some point you're going to have to play ball with the influencer industry. And it's just a fact of life for many businesses. What the Mike Kirkwood campaign sort of touches on that I think is so interesting and that I think is a really sort of exploding area of the influencer market is this concept of nano influencers, which I know you know yeah. a little bit about. I, I mean, like what... What is a nano influence? I mean, nano is teeny tiny. So what does that mean in practice? Well, the idea of a nano influencer is that they've got less followers. Uh, How much less? Like, are we talking like a, like. I mean, uh, nano could be anything from like just over 1,000 followers to, you know. Yeah. I mean, like. Just under 10,000, I'd say. But it's all about real people. That's, that's the difference. So for example, if someone said to you, you should go on holiday here, like it's beautiful and it's your friend and they've giving you an amazing review of this place to go on holiday. But then you see someone with 120,000 followers saying, oh my God, everyone go and visit Mexico, this resort, and tags the resort, and then hashtags ad and sponsored. Who are you going, you switch are you going to believe? Yeah, it doesn't pass believe, the sniff sorry. test, yeah. So it's interesting because you think the huge celebrities are what's going to sell your, your brand, but actually nowadays people are more interested in real. Well, I can relate to that. I mean, you know, I... You know, I'd, I'd much prefer a recommendation from a friend than I would sort of going online and like letting an algorithm sort of decide like what I'm going to listen to, what I'm going to watch or where I'm going to go, or what I'm going to buy, just because I trust my friends, you know, they're people I know and they have faces I can look at and talk to rather than just, you know, a computer that spits out a recommendation, you know, yeah. it, it, and it, I, I imagine that sort of drive for authenticity is very similar in nano influences. 
Yeah, of course. And I think that's really what we did try and achieve with the with the My Kirkwood's campaign. Um, of course, it's very difficult. Well, not, I mean, I wouldn't say very difficult, but it was, it proved a little bit difficult trying to get amazing content from people that weren't really sure how to, you know. I thought everyone knew their angles in, what, 2016? <laughs> I mean, I think the difference is that, well, that we found is that high street fashion, so your Topshop, your ASOS, those brands, they're reaching out to, you know, millennials. So millennials, we're obsessed with our phones. We do everything on social media. We take a photo of everything. If we've had a great cup of coffee, we'll take a photo of it. Guilty, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas the My Kirkwood, like the Nicholas Kirkwood audience, the consumer, you know, they're usually, they're not often millennials. High-end luxury customers have got a lot more money to play with. They're usually just you know, they might pop into a store and think, oh, that's amazing. That's that's something I've never seen before. That's an exclusive item of clothing or a shoe or a bag and they'll buy it, but they don't need to post about it. They're not obsessed with posting. They're, they're sort of passion for like the fashion world manifest in a different way. Yeah. yeah. They don't need to show the world, you know, I'm wearing a Chanel blouse because to them that's not really often a big deal. You know, they, they've got the the budget to kind of spend their money on whatever they want. So they, they don't post everything. So a lot of the images that we actually got back from the, the Kirkwood women, some of them were quite, well, they weren't really usable. Let's say that. I mean, no, I'm really curious now, just like low quality, just badly framed out of focus. I mean, just, are we just talking about like classic Instagram sins or? Um, I mean, they'd, I don't even think that someone with like five followers would, post some of the images we received Ooh, yeah some of the real sin bin stuff yeah pretty bad i mean i remember nicholas went crazy one day because he'd a picture had been sent back to us and it was of a customer wearing the shoes in a shed she was yeah no serious like seriously it looked like a shed she just had plonked like plonked the shoes on the top of this like wooden kind of I don't even know what it was but it just wasn't great so we we were back and forth you know and we understand we, we understand we're reaching out to real people here like not everyone's a photographer that's absolutely fine so we were back and forth with the people that we were working with and saying you know could you give them a bit of a direction basically yeah I have, have, have to do a little bit of creative direction by phone I guess yeah. oh yeah we sent a few emails you know oh, yeah I'm, I'm sure there were <laughs> um that's really interesting to me because you know you just assume that basically everyone you know who grew up uh, spending most of their lives on social media, even if they weren't, you know, a qu capital D, capital N, quote unquote, digital native. You, they, they, everyone sort of understands just how to take a photo, like, like how how to sort of frame uh, an object in, in a photograph. Just all of these very basic things that when you think about, actually pretty complicated and aren't sort of really intuitive and yeah. just sort of come out through practice. I mean, I know I'm not the best photographer, but at the same time, it's, it's, it makes it sound like even I could probably take a better photo of a Kirkwood shoe than a lot of these people, you know? Yeah, probably. I mean, it, it sounds easy. Take a picture of a beautiful shoe. That's, that's great. But to take an image that is worthy of sharing, you know, you want people to like this image. You want people to repost it. That's representing a million dollar exactly. brand. Exactly. So, I mean, it was a big ask, to be honest. And we, considering... The trials and tribulations. I think we did pretty well with what we with what we got. Yeah, it sounds like overall it was a success, despite a couple of uh, rough patches. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I want to go back to something you mentioned before about just yeah. the difference in the kind of customer between sort of the high end and the high street. I mean, you brought up Topshop and ASOS. I mean, do you think that's just a much savvier group of group of customers? Do you like wh what do you think sets them apart? I think the difference with ASOS consumers and Topshop consumers is. Everything's 
a lot more saturated. So you can literally go online and see what someone's wearing from ASOS. And if you want, you can like go on the hashtag, you can check out what they're wearing, you can buy what they're wearing straight away. You can go straight to the website and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll find what you're looking for. The ASOS consumer, I guess, is a lot more social media savvy and slash social media obsessed. So, so it's definitely different. So there's like a different skill set there is what you're saying. Like, I mean, these are the people who are, who are going to know their angles and who are going to be able to take the better photos where, you know, and not to sort of stereotype here, you know, a uh, 30, 30 year old heiress who can afford um, Kirkwood shoes is less likely perhaps to sort of have that skill set. I say very tentatively. Yeah. I mean, I can't uh, bracket everyone in the same kind of, or tarnish everyone with the same kind of brush. Oh, it'd be I just guess. mean. But yeah, no, um, I think, look, they're very different clientele and that's, that's probably where you'll find the difference with high-end brands, so luxury brands, compared to high street retailers. The way they market their consumer is completely different. So a high-end brand, for example, they often don't, you know, post on social media and they definitely don't support, you know, customer content, really. Yeah, I understand what you're saying about that gap between the high-end and the high street when it comes to user-generated content. Uh, I mean, it, it's an absolute rarity outside of the um, the high street space. I mean, for example, there's only really one brand I can think of that in recent years has had any sort of real major success in the luxury space with user-generated content, and that's Bulgari. Yeah. In 2017, they rolled out the See My Wish campaign, wherein they had a... Uh, a whole bunch of that they encourage people to sort of uh, take photographs of themselves with their eyes closed, looking like they were making a wish upon a star. And for every photograph that appeared on the See My Wish hashtag, they donate a dollar to charity. And that was extremely successful because it tied together a couple of different things. But it, all the commentary at the time from the industry rags was just this is a rarity in the luxury space, not yeah. in just the user-generated content aspect, but just in the use of social media whatsoever. I mean. Other brands aren't aren't nearly as as open and uh, magnanimous on on social media. I mean, Chanel, Dolce and Gabbana they're not really big on social media, are they? No, not at all. And I think that's that's what you'll find with the luxury brands. So really, nothing to say it's exclusive, like staying silent. I think that's how they feel. So you know, that save it for the runway kind of yeah, attitude. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they don't really. You can't even shop a lot of the brands online. So their e-commerce websites. They don't really often exist or they'll just post, you know, they'll have really limited uh, products available to purchase. And that's because they're all about exclusivity. They don't want to see people all over social media wearing the latest Chanel trainers. And potentially ruining their carefully crafted brand image. Oh, exactly. I mean, there's so many people that can afford these brands now, but so many of them don't fit the criteria that these, you know, Parisian brands kind of imagine their customer to be and that's why they're kind of like let's keep our mouths shut we'll stay aloof we don't converse with our customers on social media it's just kind of you're almost they're almost ignoring their own customers which in a way works because people then want it more it's like you know when somebody play hard to you, get a yeah exactly bit. it's I, exactly that i mean it's just unthinkable in this day and age you know for someone not to have not just an e-commerce site but not not even really a an interactive social media presence yeah i mean some of these some of these brands, like what they get up to, it beggars belief if you're a marketer. I mean, like what Chanel, I think, only follow themselves on Instagram or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty ridiculous, pretty incredible. Chanel only follow Chanel Beauty on Instagram. So, I mean... Tightly curated feed. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it speaks for itself, really, doesn't it? Um, 
but yeah look and they're they've been held the best luxury brand on social media and that's because people want more you know they post really arty beautiful editorial images and that's when you think of Chanel that's what you want to see really I don't think people that love Chanel or wish they could one day afford a Chanel bag I don't think they want to see your average Joe walking down the street taking you know a photo in front of some graffiti they don't want to see that they want to see this beautiful you know almost out of reach brand yeah I think that's that sense of exclusivity is so important yeah and it's totally at odds with those high street brands you mentioned before who almost sort of take this approach to democratizing fashion and like I think maybe probably the the biggest argument for them is no one needs to be convinced on the value of a Chanel dress or a Bulgari piece of jewelry because they they sell themselves yeah but people um and are endlessly about a $40 blouse yeah it's so true yeah I, I mean like those those brands, you know, they, they go out of their way to make everything accessible as possible, you know, to, to ensure that, you know, with a single click, you can grab whatever you want from the ASOS database. Yeah, and that's that's the thing with ASOS. They do so well with reaching out to their target audience. They use user-generated content incredibly well. You can search the hashtag as seen on me and you can find, you know, so thousands and thousands of images of people wearing ASOS clothes and styling them in really cool ways. And you can grab inspiration from that. You know, you can literally eat, sleep, breathe and live ASOS if you really wanted to. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. it it's the um, it, it's just so interesting, like how these different brands that like approach their customers, you know, one with a sort of a sense of aloof reserve and the other sort of, you know, going out of their way, building entire systems and backends and databases and apps, you know, necessary to ensure that, you know, while you're flicking through Instagram feed, like, oh, that looks nice, two clicks and it's in the mail to you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just so easy nowadays, so why wouldn't you do it? They make it too easy, you know. The ASOS app, literally apparently 60 or 70% now of ASOS customers buy their clothes from ASOS on the app. Yeah. So you could literally be at work, be a little bit bored and just make a little purchase whenever you want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just way too easy. Too easy, I think. It's yeah, great, for, isn't it? Yeah. Bad. <laughs> great for your wardrobe, bad for your wallet. Exactly, I think. exactly. Yeah. I think if there's one thing we need to take away from this, it's that, you know, there's a lot high street fashion could be doing better to reach people, could be doing better to sort of make those crucial connections and forge those relationships. All of that aside, they are leagues ahead of what luxury fashion is doing in terms of the social media space and you know as much as they are you know very much enjoying that sense of exclusivity and that sense of aloofness I believe there's a way you can preserve that sort of carefully crafted brand image while still making yourself accessible to the people who literally make your company what it is. Yeah and I think that's something that a lot of brands will start to play with in the coming year or so but I think that's more of a watch this space kind of movement yeah very much so I mean and you know we're um we're just one agency in one part of the world we want to hear from everyone around the globe what what they're seeing in their sort of local fashion space in their local marketing space you know so if you've got any sort of hot tips or any seen anything really interesting in in your country and your language in the fashion marketing space please drop us a line please let us know We, we always want to learn yeah, and thank you for, for listening, really. It's been it's been a great chat. I've enjoyed it. And thank you for coming in. We really appreciated you taking the time. Oh, thank you, Chris. Yeah. Anyway, that was the 16th episode of the Impressive Digital Marketer podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Leave us a review. Send us your thoughts. We just want to hear from you however you feel most comfortable doing so. And until next time, thanks very much. <laughs>